Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, this news story is uh, interesting in its own right, uh, or writing, but it's also interesting in terms of how long it takes to get to the most obvious point. It's, uh, it's from CBS, of all places, and it's Dateline London, even though it's about the United States, and reports a study done by two researchers at the University of Washington. It's a roundabout kind. Well, you know, it's a uh, supply chain world. Official statistics have undercounted deaths at the hands of police in the United States by more than half over the last 40 years. That's according to a study published in the Lancet Medical Journal, published in Britain, which is why this is Dateline London. Over that period, the study found that black Americans were about 3.5 times more likely to die by police violence than white Americans. Well, duh. No, I mean, we, we knew that, but now we know it. Quote, police violence is for sure a public health issue, and we need to discuss it, says one of the authors. Researchers compared data recorded in the U.S. National Vital Statistics System. That's the government database that collates official death certificates with three open-source non-governmental databases that track incidents of police violence. They discovered that more than 17,000 deaths by police violence were either misclassified or not reported in the official database going back to 1980. Their analysis also showed that during the time period studied, nearly 60% of deaths of black Americans at the hands of police had been either misclassified or not reported. This further obscures the larger issue of systemic racism embedded in many U.S. institutions, including law enforcement, says another of the co-authors of the study. Official statistics missed 56% of deaths of non-Hispanic white people, 50% of deaths of Hispanic people of any race, and 33% of non-Hispanic people of other races, according to the research. Now we get to the point in the story. It's almost three, it's three paragraphs from the end. One possible contrib- contributing factor to the disparity, researchers say, is that coroners and medical examiners who determine and record causes of death on official certificates are often embedded within police departments. This can create conflicts of interest. Mm Mm-hmm. And finally, from the 1980s to the 2010s, the rate of deaths by police violence for all races increased by 38%. But, you know, it, it's, it could be a conflict of interest there. We'll, we'll have to put that deeper in the story next time. Hello. Welcome to the show.
Yeah, oh, that's as fast a fade as any Beach Boys record ever made. From the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. Well, you might have think that, <laughs> might think or have thought that Nice Corp has put the phone hacking scandal of the twenty thousand, the two thousands, and the 2010s behind it. But oh no! Au contraire, mon frère, a group of 1990s pop stars are among the latest individuals to launch lawsuits against Rupert Murdoch's media empire for phone hacking. Scandal has dogged the company for more than 15 years, continues to rumble on at the high court, according to The Guardian. Melanie Chisholm from the Spice Girls, Shane Lynch from Boyzone, uh, other even less well-remembered pop stars have recently filed claims against the company. The business of the Murdoch Empire is continuing to pay out millions of pounds a year to settle historical cases of illegal voicemail hacking. Company is also embroiled in a phone hacking case brought by Prince Harry. Harry, who has alleged that his voicemails were targeted by the Sun and News of the World. The News of the World was a scandal plagued, plagued Murdoch paper that was shut down as a result of the scandals. The Sun continues happily on its way to this moment. Murdoch's lawyers have accepted that Harry's phone was hacked by reporters at the News of the World, say he was made aware of this in 2006, meaning he's missed the statute of limitations. They deny allegations his phone was targeted by reporters working for The Sun. Oh, The Sun was the clean one? Murdoch's decision to hire Piers Morgan, remember him, as the lead presenter of a new channel he's starting in Britain, Murdoch is, called Talk TV, will also refocus attention on the use of phone hacking. Morgan was the editor of The Mirror, and phone hacking was widely uh, practiced by Mirror reporters during that era. Morgan has previously discussed listening to voicemails left by Sir Paul McCartney. However, he's always strongly denied any personal involvement or knowledge of illegal information gathering. The uh, new cases by the 1990s pop stars have been filed against Murdoch's News Group Newspapers subsidiary. Murdoch has burnt through hundreds of millions of pounds in legal fees over the last decade, settling similar cases, ensuring that the claims are not tested in potentially embarrassing public trials. We wouldn't want that. News UK declined to comment on the latest cases. Companies repeatedly insisted that the phone hacking practice did not take place at the Sun, despite repeated claims in court hearings that that paper did make use of the practice. Even settlements that are made specifically in relation to allegations of wrongdoing at the Sun are usually accompanied by a statement from News UK insisting that such hacking was limited to the news of the world. You know, you have the dirty brand and the clean brand. A... um, Liberal Democrat member of Parliament recently settled and received a substantial payout over a case explicitly related to articles published by The Sun during the editorship of Rebecca Brooks. You may remember her. 
once known as Rupert's favorite daughter, even though she wasn't a daughter. Asked about Brooks' involvement in the story, the MP said he would not name names, but quoted, it's clear from all I have seen that it went to the top of the sun. Well, I bet Elon Musk wishes he could do that. And also news of Nice Corp. Remember Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor? (laughs) Well, he hasn't been on the Fox News channel for a while. In case you didn't notice, I wouldn't think you would. But he's not banned, despite a report claiming otherwise. This is from Deadline. One time America's mayor was noticeably absent from Fox's coverage of the anniversary of 9-11, where he might have seemed to be on point. That fact raised eyebrows in media circles. Fox News had no comment when contacted by Deadline about the report of a Giuliani ban, but a source familiar with the channel dismissed the assertion. Quote, The mayor has had a long and distinguished career, but in terms of recent coverage, he simply isn't relevant. Unquote the source. Giuliani wasn't even booked for 9-11, according to another source. The uh, network decided to focus on the trio of memorials and the families of the fallen, don't you know? While Giuliani was in attendance at the New York Memorial Service, he was not featured on any network on that day, except for ABC. A rambling and way-off-topic speech by a seemingly exhausted Giuliani later that day at a 9-11 commemoration dinner may offer some further hints why Fox chose not to book the one-time presidential candidate and lawyer for the former guy. Rudy Giuliani not relevant on the anniversary of 9-11. News of Nice Corp. Nice people saying nice things. We've got the ultra-modern knack of getting oil the deepest crack So give the boys just a bit of slack And say a hearty what the frack Well, a little awareness is seeping into the regulatory environment in Texas and New Mexico. The whole fracking thing seems to be at the base of this. New Mexico's oil and gas regulators and scientists are on alert, according to the New Mexico Political Report, because of a dramatic increase in earthquake activity in southern New Mexico, an increase likely triggered by oil and gas injection wells in the Permian Basin. That's a uh, oil resource that straddles the New Mexico and Texas borders. Since 2018, the number of small quakes of magnitude one or greater in the basin has risen from about 40 to nearly 500 last year. And over that period, quakes of magnitude two or greater rose from none to 158, according to data from the New Mexico Bureau of Geology. There were 146 quakes through June so far this year. Those numbers are just in New Mexico. They're even higher over the border in the Texas portion of the basin. New permits for a fracking process have been stopped in Texas after the drilling technique was linked to a recent spate of earthquakes there, according to the Independent Newspaper of London. The Railroad Commission of Texas, which strangely enough oversees the 
Texas oil and gas industry, leaving the railroad industry to be regulated by who knows. Uh, that commission issued a notice last week of salt water disposal wells where fracking wastewater is injected underground. The order is in place until further notice. Since February 2026, earthquakes of magnitude 3.5 or greater have occurred in the West Texas area. These uh, quakes were noted by the commission, which said its analysts found that the wastewater injection wells for fracking, quote, likely contributes to seismic activity. Along with no new permits, 76 wells were asked to reduce their maximum daily injection rate to 10,000 barrels. Wells that have permits but are not already in use received a request to hold off injecting fluids. This is when they've pulled the stuff out of the ground. They have to re-inject the wastewater back in, down deep, down below, down where the faults are. Spokesman for the Railroad Commission said uh, it has made similar requests in other areas of the state in the past for voluntary permit changes to, quote, address seismicity, meaning stop the quakes, stop the quakes before you break the state. The Permian Basin is America's most productive oil patch, seen a fracking boom, but a number of environmental and health concerns have resulted, including the increased likelihood of so-called frack quakes. Fracking operations that drill deeper into the earth can make triggering an earthquake almost 10 times more likely. According to a 2020 study, report published in the Bureau of the Seismological Society of America was based on data from more than 1,300 single well sites across Oklahoma. They got the quakes too. They got the shakes. They got the uh, burgers. Back in uh, New Mexico... There hasn't been much seismicity in close proximity to the waste isolation pilot plant, says one of the regulators in New Mexico. The waste waste isolation pilot plant just happens to be a nuclear waste storage facility. Not permanent. We don't have any of those. But uh, permanent enough that it's there. It's half a mile underground in a salt formation in the middle of the New Mexico portion of the basin, just a little north of most of the quake activity. It is a concern, says the regulator, and it's something that we need to keep an eye on. It's the 10,000... Oh, it's permanent enough. It's a 10,000-year repository for highly toxic radioactive waste created by the nuclear weapons industry. Things like tools, clothing, and soil contaminated with our old friend plutonium. It's not the only nuclear facility in the area where they're doing all the fracking. Another private company, Urenco, operates the country's only commercial nuclear fuel enrichment plant, 40 miles due east of the waste dump near Eunice, New Mexico, on the Texas state line. And just over the border from that, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission just approved a high-level waste facility next to a decade-old low-level waste facility, something opposed by the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. 
More of the nation's commercial nuclear waste could be headed to the region as well. Holtec, which is running the uh, waste storage facility in Southern California, among other places, wants to build a nuclear waste storage facility for up to 100,000 tons of spent fuel rods 12 miles north of the existing waste storage facility. And the New Mexico governor is against that one. All of these nuclear sites are surrounded by brine injection wells from fracking, which is fingered, pardon the expression, as the likely cause of the increased seismicity in the basin. What the frack? And now... News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol III. Well, you know, an investigation, a proper investigation, does take a, a little bit of time. We have here now a investigation report into boxing at the 2016 Olympics in Rio. That investigation has found, guess what? Widespread evidence of, quote, corruption, bribery, and the manipulation of sporting results. At the Olympics! Judges giving each other signals at ringside to fix bouts. The report by Professor Richard McLaren, who exposed state-sponsored doping in Russia, you remember him, said that the seeds of the corruption had been sown in the years beforehand with bouts before and during London 2012, also under suspicion. It's a thing. McLaren found that there existed a culture of favors, particularly among the post-Soviet countries, with Azerbaijan giving amateur boxing's governing body an investment loan of $10 million with the expectation that bouts would be manipulated in their favor for medals at London 2012. Four years later, a $250,000 bribe was offered by Mongolian officials in an attempt to fix an Olympic semifinal. Fears of wrongdoing at the 2016 Olympics were exposed by the Guardian newspaper five years ago before the punch was even thrown. Senior officials saying to the newspaper then, there was, quote, no doubt, unquote, certain bouts in Rio would be corrupted. The Guardian was also told in Rio that a cabal of, of officials were able to use their power to manipulate the judging system to ensure certain boxers would win. McLaren confirmed the Guardian story, saying a hand-picked team of senior, quote, five-star referees and judges used signals at ringside or instructed colleagues on the morning of fights as to... Who should win? Meanwhile, incorruptible officials were driven out of the sport with a weeding-out process during the qualifying competition for Rio. Yes, the referees were trying to qualify. McLaren said the corruption went right to the top, oh, like at the sun, with two senior officials of the international boxing thing being, quote, key actors in allowing the manipulation to flourish, unquote. One of those officials was later banned for life from the sport two years after Rio. 
And of course, it just has to get weirder. The report says, manipulation stemming from the loan from Azerbaijan, the $10 million loan, trickled into the London games. BBC carried a story of medals for money just before the games. The allegation was that the Azeris had been promised Olympic medals as a condition of that loan. President Wu of the International Boxing Organization, concerned about public perceptions, made an executive order to ensure Azerbaijan did not win any medals. The fear for him was that if the Azeris had won, it would have proved the documentary's allegations of corruption correct. Therefore, a reverse manipulation had to take place to ensure they did not win any medals for public perception. The Azeris felt betrayed at the end of London 2012. Well, of course they did. It's, it's a movement. There has to be betrayal. And you need one every day. So suddenly Life turns out to be A song mm. One never knows Does one The moment or the place Someone occupies your embrace Someday Look and you'll find To hearts that were blessed Someday Fate may be kind Pray for the future Hope for the best One never knows Does one It's just the way it goes All at once you hear Hold me Caress me And then Then Love may come but when One never knows
may come the wind One never knows Just one A new show puts the spotlight on the hottest part of the hottest companies. And we've got the scoop. Got to the Inside Extra Access tonight for the top of October 2021. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike DeVere. And I'm Pat Mungo, double-vaxxed and in mid-breakthrough. As jobs move out of the house and back to the office, a one sleepy part of the world of work takes center stage. And a television veteran is finding the laughs in all the wrong places. HR was always a uh, hot premise. And, uh, of course, La Quinta Cheeks did a drama pl uh, pilot based on it. And uh, my reaction was, <laughs> where's the funny? Julian Zissner is VP of Comedy Development at Impossible Entertainment. I mean, nobody wants to watch a bad boss for an hour. You know, they can do that at their own job. But a team that has to deal with a bunch of bad bosses, <laughs> that's not comedy gold, that's comedy Bitcoin. Mr. Mahoney, I know you're vice president of the company. Executive vice president. But you still need to treat other employees here with respect and dignity and stuff. <laughs> Like Mrs. O'Malley. Oh, when I disciplined her for a policy lapse, I also praised her overall competence. Really? Yes. I even told her I knew she could cook a mean potato. I was... HR hopes to tackle sensitive social issues in a mildly transgressive style, and at the same time, be a traditional workplace comedy. I mean, they're solving all these problems at other parts of their company, consolidated systems... But at the same time, they're experiencing some very funny frictions with each other. In a way, it's almost meta. HR should be showing up on one of the streaming channels early next year. Hi, I'm Gordon Dusk with an Inside Extra Access Tonight news flash. After being fired as Britney Spears' conservator, Britney's dad, James, is rumored to be editing his long series of surveillance tapes of the pop star into a reality series. We're trying to verify this report, but we're not trying too hard. That crashes it for today, but Inside Access Tonight returns next time with the latest results from our IEAT Instapol. We asked you what city should have the next Real Housewives franchise, and the results will have you packing your bag. Till then, I'm Mike DeVere. And I'm Pat Mungo. So long from El Segundo. From the home of the homeless, this is Le Show, and now the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Remember the World Health Organization? Its Director General, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. <laughs> yes, I looked at this beforehand. Ghebreyesus. Yes. That's sure. He says he takes ultimate responsibility for the behavior of aid workers who were employed by the World Health Organization. 
They were accused of sexual exploitation and abuse while responding to the 10th Ebola outbreak in the Democratic Republic of the Congo from 2018 to 2020. His statement this week followed the release of a damning report detailing the extent of the abuse allegedly contributed by responders, including at least 21 WHO doctors, consultants, and senior staffers, both national and international, during the response. Quote, it's my top priority to ensure that the perpetrators are not excused, but are held to account, Tedros said in a press briefing after the Independent Commission tasked with reviewing the allegations of sexual abuse and exploitation in DRC revealed its findings. The WHO chief also apologized to the women who alleged the abuse. Quote, I'm sorry for what was done to you by people who were employed by who? Uh, WHO. He wasn't denying they were employed. To serve and protect you. What happened to you should never happen to anyone. As the Director General, I take ultimate responsibility for the behavior of the people we employ and for any failings in our systems that allowed this behavior. And I will take personal responsibility for making whatever change we need to make to prevent this happening in the future." Unquote. He didn't disclose what that would mean in practice. He also did not directly respond to a question asked during the press briefing on whether he plans to resign. I'm betting no. Would-be presidential assassin John Hinckley Jr. has been granted unconditional release in June of next year by a federal judge. Hinckley, who injured then-President Reagan and three other people in 1981 outside a hotel in Washington, D.C., also apologized to the people he shot, to the American people, and to Jodie Foster, whose attention he tried to win with the act. Department of Behavioral Health suggested Hinckley be released with no conditions, saying that he posed, quote, a low risk for future violence, unquote. Well, Jody's kind of not as young as she used to be. Hinckley has also been allowed to pursue his musical career via his YouTube channel after years of sharing his art and music anonymously. He emailed Rolling Stone last year stating, quote, I'm now pursuing a music career. I write country songs mostly, and I've just finished two songs. I'm hoping you'll take an interest in my music career. John Hinckley Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Dateline San Jose, California. The city of San Jose was once home to one of the largest Chinatowns in California. In the heart of downtown, the neighborhood was the center of life for Chinese immigrants who worked on nearby farms and orchards. This is from the Associated Press. More than a century after arsonists burned to the ground in 1887, that's where the racists in Tulsa got their idea, maybe? The San Jose City Council this week unanimously approved a resolution to apologize to Chinese immigrants and their descendants for the role San Jose played in, quote, systemic and institutional racism, xenophobia, and discrimination, unquote. San Jose, more than a million population, is the largest U.S. city to formally apologize to the Chinese community for its treatment of their ancestors. Earlier this year, the city of Antioch, also in Northern California, apologized for its mistreatment of Chinese immigrants who built tunnels to get home from work because they were banned from walking the streets after sundown. That's nice. Britain's senior-most police officer apologized this week after a serving Scotland Yard officer was sentenced to a lifetime sentence without chance of parole 
for the brutal rape and murder of a female victim that he had handcuffed after showing her his police credentials. Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cressida Dick. I said, Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cressida Dick said Wayne Cousins, who was found guilty of killing 33-year-old Sarah Everard, had, quote, quote, brought shame on the police force by abusing his position of trust. The old Bailey Court in London heard how Cousins used COVID-19 lockdown laws, Tom, lockdown laws, excellent, to uh, wrongfully arrest Everard on her way back from a friend's home in London last March before handcuffing her and driving her off in his car. Back to Cressida Dick, quote, I'm absolutely horrified that this man used his position of trust to deceive and coerce Sarah, and I know you all are too. What he did was unthinkable and appalling, she said in her statement after his sentencing. She went on, he's very considerably added to the sense of insecurity that many have in our cities, perhaps particularly women. I recognize that a precious bond of trust has been damaged, I will do anything in my power to ensure we learn any lessons. I am so sorry. Unquote. Cressida Dick. The mayor of Anchorage, Alaska, has apologized for defending the use of Holocaust imagery by critics of mask mandates. Anchorage Assembly members are considering a measure to require masks in indoor public spaces and at large outdoor events. They've drawn condemnation from many in the community who attended public meetings this week, according to the Anchorage Daily News. Some of those who condemned the measure wore yellow stars of David in protest. Four people were arrested, two for disorderly conduct. Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson has said he would veto any mask mandates and spoke out against the measure at the Wednesday meeting, supporting those who were wearing the yellow stars of David. We've referenced the Star of David quite a bit here tonight, he said. But there was a formal message that came out within Jewish culture about that, and the message was, quote, never again, unquote. That's an ethos, and that's what this star really means, is we will not forget, this will not happen again, and I think us borrowing that from them is actually a credit to them, unquote the mayor. That comment drew condemnation from many Jewish groups and others who say it's wrong to use the plight of those from the Holocaust in a mask or vaccine mandate debate. Bronson released a statement the next day apologizing for his comment, according to the uh, local paper. Quote, I understand that we should not trivialize or compare what happened during the Holocaust to a mask mandate, and I want to apologize for any perception that my statements support or compare what happened to the Jewish people in Nazi Germany. He said, that was one of the most evil and darkest times in our world's history. If I offended anyone, I am truly sorry. And if apology from the mayor of Anchorage, Alaska. Dateline Cocker, New Hampshire. The New Hampshire Legislative Ethics Committee has formally admonished a Republican state representative for posting on social media an anti-Semitic meme that recalled pre-World War II Nazi propaganda. Under an informal resolution published this week by the Ethics Committee, four-term representative James Spillane of Deerfield issued a formal apology for the post that he put up in January, writing that he did not realize at the time that the meme was anti-Semitic and should have researched the image before posting it. He wrote that his failure to conduct, quote, thorough research was an unfortunate lapse in my normal due diligence. 
I am embarrassed at my failure to ascertain the hateful source of that image that resulted in offending and hurting so many others, especially those of the Jewish faith, he wrote. I've always held members of the Jewish faith in the highest regard and the utmost respect. I hope that my apology is accepted and that others can learn, as I have, to conduct thorough and complete due diligence before making any postings, writings, or actions with an attribution to one's status as a state representative. He added in an, in an interview with a radio station, I'm very happy I was able to discuss the situation from my side with a very fair group of other legislatures who helped me make sure that this is a teaching moment and to look carefully at anything we might want to post before pushing the retweet button. No idea in this story what the actual image was. No, don't imagine it. Deadline Manhattan Beach, California. Nearly a century ago, white leaders of a Southern California city robbed a black family of their prime beachfront land and legacy. This from the Associated Press. Descendants of Willie and Charles Bruce, including the couple's great-great-grandson, returned to the scene of the crime in Manhattan Beach this week to watch Governor Gavin Newsom, fresh from his successful resistance of the recall, sign the law that allows ownership of the property to be transferred back to the family. The move was hailed as a major milestone in the fight for reparations and the return of lands stolen from people of color. There are other families waiting for this very day to have their land returned to them, said a cousin of the Bruce's. Amid rampant forced segregation in 1912, they built the first West Coast resort for black people. Situated along what became one of Southern California's signature beaches, fronted by rows of multi-million dollar homes, it included a lodge, cafe, dance hall, and dressing tents. They and their patrons faced constant racism and harassment. There was even an attempt to burn the resort down. Manhattan Beach City Council eventually used eminent domain to take the land from the Bruces in the 1920s, purportedly for use as a park, but the land lay unused for years until it was transferred to the state in 1948. With a half-dozen descendants of the couple present on Thursday of this week, Governor Newsom apologized for how the land was taken before signing the bill passing the property back to the family. He suggested the move could be the start of broader reparations. County Supervisor Janice Hahn, who led the push to transfer the land, said the heirs would almost certainly be millionaires now if the property had not been taken. Quote, the law was used to steal this property a hundred years ago, and the law today will give it back, Hahn said. But not the millions. Deadline Portland, Oregon, Portland, former Portland Thorns head coach Paul Riley, that's a women's soccer team, I do believe, Riley, I say, has been accused of sexual coercion by multiple former players from across women's soccer, including his former players in Portland, according to a report from The Athletic. The article, published this week, accused Riley of sexually coercing and verbally abusing players on his teams between 2011 and 2015. During much of that time, he was head coach for the Portland Thorns. No games are being played this weekend, including a highly anticipated match between the O.L. Reign and the Thorns. Soccer League Commissioner Lisa Baird said in part the league's priority is not business as usual. He called this pause the first step as we collectively work to transform the culture of this league. According to the article, former Portland player Sinead Farrelly said she was coerced into having sex with Riley multiple times. 
On Thursday of this week, the Portland Thorns released a statement apologizing to the players. Not only uh, Farrelly, but also another player. Meliana Mana Shim for the team's role. Quote, we want to thank Mana Shim and Sinead Farrelly for bravely speaking out and fully apologize to them for our role in the abuse they detailed. You may have heard about the uh, incident on the television program, the daytime television program, The View, this week, when uh, just before Vice President Harris was supposed to appear on the program, there was a bit of a uh, a, 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 uh, ruckus seemingly based on the fact that two of the hosts of The View, Sonny Hostin and Anna Navarra, had just tested positive for COVID. That delayed the planned interview with uh, Vice President Harris. They turned out to be false positives, and the show's executive producer apologized on the air to both women. None of the hosts who were on came into contact with Harris. Hostin and Navarro, along with Joy Behar and Sarah Haynes, were tested multiple times over the weekend. All results were negative. It really was uncomfortable for my results to be released publicly before I even knew what was going on, Hostin said. She said her doctor, her husband, a doctor, had to be pulled out of surgery as a precautionary measure when the news became known, and her children was take, were taken out of school. All are safe, she said. That led to some really awkward television that I'd like to have back if I could, said The View's executive producer, Brian Tella. He apologized on the air to Hostin and Navarro. The surprise to me is I thought really awkward television was the format of The View. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. To the land of the carnival queens Going back home to my baby Going back to New Orleans Going back home, Tina Ney And evermore will I roam Going back home to my baby Cause New Orleans is my home Never more will I roam 
digital wallet called Apple Pay. It's a way that Apple can know more about what you're buying. Um, it, no, it's going to pay whatever amount is demanded of it without authorization if it is configured for transit mode with a Visa card and exposed to a hostile contactless reader. Students at the University of Birmingham, or maybe it's professors, at the University of Birmingham and University of Surrey in England have managed to find a way to remove the contactless payment limit on iPhones with Apple Pay and Visa cards if express transit mode has been enabled. What is that? Express transit mode enables Apple Pay transactions without unlocking an iPhone or requiring authentication. It's intended as a convenience feature to facilitate charges when passing through public transit gates that support contactless readers like Europay, MasterCard, and Visa. Quote, our work shows a clear example of a feature meant to incrementally make life easier, backfiring and negatively impacting security with potentially serious financial consequences for users, said Dr. Andrea Inaradu in the School of Computer Science at the University of Birmingham. The researchers involved say they disclosed the flaw to Apple last October and to Visa in May of this year. However, they claim the two companies have 
been unable to cooperate on a fix due to finger pointing. Not digital finger pointing, the analog kind. Quote, our discussions with Apple and Visa revealed that when two industry parties each have partial blame, neither are willing to accept responsibility and implement a fix, leaving users vulnerable indefinitely, said Radu. And Dateline Melbourne, Florida, that's the one that's not down under, new cybersecurity research from Florida Tech has found that the smartphone companion uh, applications of 16 popular smart home devices contain critical cryptographic flaws that could allow attackers to intercept and modify their traffic as the Internet of Things devices such as connected locks, motion sensors, security cameras, and smart speakers become increasingly ubiquitous in households across the country. Their surging popularity means more people are at risk of cyber intrusions. This is from the Florida Tech News Bureau. Quote, IoT devices offer the promise of security with connected locks, alarms, and security cameras, says uh, Computer Engineering and Sciences Assistant Professor T.J. O'Connor and his students in their paper. However, attackers can leverage the immature but pervasive nature of Internet of Things to spy on and surveil victims, unquote. O'Connor leads Florida Tech's cybersecurity program and directs the IoT Security and Privacy Lab. It has produced eye-opening research into privacy flaws in Internet-connected cameras. The research O'Connor and his students conduct often highlights the troubling vulnerabilities of consumer Internet of Things devices, and their latest paper continues that focus. They subjected 20 devices to a host of, quote, man-in-the-middle attacks, unquote, wherein perpetrators seek to intercept communications between parties, allowing for the theft of login credentials, spying, or other nefarious activities. The researchers found that 16 device vendors failed to implement security measures, thus enabling the attacks. Quote, We hypothesize that the distributed communications architecture of Internet of Things introduces vulnerabilities that allow an attacker to intercept and manipulate the communications channel affecting the user-level perception of an IoT device. We apply this attack against a broad array of smart home device vendors to conceal malicious users, suppress motion reporting, modify camera images, unlock doors, and manipulate log files, unquote. The IoT devices that showed this vulnerability among them, Amazon Echo, Blink Camera, Google Home Camera, Momentum Camera, Nest Camera, Night Owl Doorbell, Roku TV, Schlage Lock, Simply Safe Alarm, and Wise Camera. Devices from four vendors, including TP Link and Ring, were found not to be susceptible to the attacks that the researchers carried out. It's a smart, 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 smart world, ain't it? No, it ain't. Now a couple of uh, parting notes about our friend the atom. Studies of biodiversity around the former Fuk nuclear power plant in Japan have shown a decade after the thing. The local wildlife is thriving. The skedaddling of 154,000 previous residents has created a unique environment for wildlife. Nature has reclaimed the evacuated area, with much of it now dominated by apparently indestructible 
radioactive boar pig hybrids. They sound nice. Other species and ecosystems are also having a great time in the absence of humanity. Surveys have shown that along with the irascible porkers, rare and threatened species are returning to swamps and rice paddies in Fouke, with biodiversity also surging on farmland in the area. Some hot bacon. Japan plans to ease regulations to allow exports of large disused equipment from nuclear power plants for overseas disposal as a way to reduce the mountains of radioactive waste occurring at home. Well, that's cool. Here, you take care of this stuff. The setup would mark a major shift from the government's existing principle of disposing of all radioactive waste inside the country. From the Asahi Shimbun. Hey, Let's do Japan a solid. What do you say? Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's edition of the show. It returns, I hope you will, same time next week on these same radio stations or on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it'd be just like all the trash in New Orleans finally being picked up. If you'd agree to join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip the Le Show Chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans. For help with today's program, the email address of this broadcast, a chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, do they still have those? And the uh, playlist of the music you hear here, all at harryshearer.com. And me, thank you for asking him on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer.
The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless. <laughs>